Hey, mates, it's Dasilo here, just dropping in at the start to let you know. I'm doing my show Pipsqueak in Melbourne from August 6th till the 11th at the Butterfly Club. It's the show that I did at last year's Comedy Festival. Uh, it went really well, so I'm doing it again. I'd love it if you could come down. You can get tickets right now at the Butterfly Club. Dot com And if you're a friend of the show and you enter Dum Dum, that's D-U-M-D-U-M, two words, uh, when you check out as a promotional code, you are going to get a sweet discount for being a friend of the show. So come on down. I'd love to see you there. All right, that's enough of that. On to today's episode with Tim Minchin. Hey, mates, welcome once again into the Little Dum Dum Club for another week. My name is Tommy Dasilo. Thank you very much for joining us. Sitting opposite me, the other half of the program, Carl Chandler. G'day, dickhead. Now, we've been getting a lot of shit uh, recently for doing too much bullshitting up the top of the show before we bring in a guest. <laughs> and if ever we've had a reason to cut straight to the chase and just bring the guest in, I think this is it. This is this is the location for it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready yet, though. So oh, you're not ready yet? Oh, oh okay. Well, Carl's is. probably had something funny happen to him at Coles, so we can just do that for <laughs> half an hour. All right, I'm ready now. Uh, oh. <laughs> from Californication, from Matilda the Musical, from Jesus Christ Superstar, please welcome into the Little Dum Dum Club, Tim Minchin. Yeah. Hey. This is exciting. This this might surprise you, Tim, but this is the first podcast we've ever done underneath Rod Laver Arena. So this is really? a big deal thought, for us. Yeah, I thought Rod Laver would be the arena for your podcast. Yeah, hang on. What about when we did a podcast with Matt Volander? Was that where was that? I, I forget what that know was. Who that is. Oh, it's an 80s tennis star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 80s tennis star. Okay, good because this is where Tommy's they play tennis. Quite young. I yeah, get it. Tommy's. Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, was, it was a tennis reference, Tommy. Yeah, come to be. Tommy live in the now. Or yeah, at least live in the 80s. Anything yeah. pre late and I don't. I don't remember. I think you'd struggle with Steffi Graf. Yeah, yeah. I do actually. Actually, yeah, yeah, there's right. a part of me that thinks was Beyond she on Home Borg? and Away? Yeah. yeah. Oh, forget Beyond Borg. Yeah. <laughs> Ivan Lendl. He, I was a big fan of Ivan. Uh, Arthur Ashe? No. Nah. Well, oh. now you've lost that's, me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When's he, the 50s? Uh, he's got, he, that's where they play the uh, Australian, uh, that's where they play the US Open in New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Oh, okay. Oh, for right. everyone tuning into this show just on the strength of Tim Minchin <laughs> on, uh, being on this episode, they're, uh, they've really wasted their bandwidth so <laughs> <Yeah>. far. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Tennis Talk with our guest today, Tim Minchin. Uh, hey, thank you so much for joining us. This is a, a real thrill. Uh, we've managed to sque- squeeze, get you in in between two performances of Jesus Christ Superstar yeah. uh, here at Rod Laver. This this came about very late in the piece. You texted me uh, yesterday yeah, evening. thanks for responding. I, well, please, I... <laughs> Uh, I have to admit, though, the way that it kind of came together, because I didn't have your number and, and it was very sudden. I, To be honest, I spent the whole day thinking, this is a prank. This is someone who knows I don't have their number stitching me up. I'm going to get to Rod Laver and go, just here to do a bit of press for Jesus Christ Superstar. And they're going to go, you, what the who fuck are, are you doing? Yeah, who yeah. are you? Yeah. yeah it's, it's actually real. Yeah. I, I got... Um, I got Emails from two directions, and and I'm and they were going like we and, and there's always layers upon layers, especially when you're in a show like this. There's the PR on the show, and then there's my manager, and then it, whatever. And I just went, I I can get Tommy's number. I'll just I'll just text him, and yeah. that, then it will get done. If if I don't text him, I won't. Because because when you say layers upon layers, you mean there's press for the show, there's your management, yeah. and then there's us getting onto Eddie Perfect yeah. and going, yeah. Yeah, can yeah, you just right. harass him and try and, and get him to do this? And I, I also asked your sister to yeah, do that as well. It was so. my sister who tipped me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything Eddie tells me to do. Yeah, it's good, I it's do good everything to know that, my sister tells it's me. It's good to know that those are the two layers that we just need to go through to get to someone: yeah. Eddie Perfect or the the guest's sister. Basically, yes. I'm scared of my sisters. If if you ask my sisters to ask. Ask me something, I'll just do it. Oh, oh really? Awesome. Yeah, man, we got to get to know David Letterman's sister or something like that. <laughs> this is how you get the big guns. Rita awesome. Letterman, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, she's uh, he, she's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. One. Lottie. 
Yeah. Um, and you've just told us that uh, because we're coming, we're coming to see the show tonight, which is awesome. You've provided tickets. I'm slightly concerned <laughs> by the fact that this envelope contains the tickets, which got, has got Tommy Dasso and then Carl Chandler with the Carl Chandler crossed, crossed out. out. Yeah. So, um, I forgot to tell you, I gave your tickets away to my parents. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Tim's sister's probably going to take up two seats now and bring a partner. So, um, yeah, that's a, a little bit concerning. But I'm um, looking forward to it. And you've just we've just found out that a friend of the show, Andrew O'Keefe, is not performing as well, which is a shame. And I read in the yeah. paper that it said a neck injury. Yeah, you, you, he's, I think he's um, prolapsed something. Right. Um, I think it's a disc. Uh, he, it's something nasty, but um, he's, he's in surgery, or he was last night. And he's just—he's such a good man, and and he was loving it because he's obviously done a lot of stuff in his time, but he's not really been on tour. And this is sure. like a massive rock tour. This. Yeah, it's, it's a theatre show, but it's trucks rolling in and out and building the set and playing these arenas. And and I think he was having an absolute ball, and we were loving having him. And then he did something on stage, and he went, "Oh, that didn't feel right." And then the next <laughs> night, and then he, then I think he uh, ruptured a disc or something. He was in so much pain, and he never moans or anything he had this big smile on his face we could tell he was trying not to cry it was bad. yeah oh. Oh, it's such a shame because he we've had him on the show before and he was so much fun and when it said in the paper that he'd had a neck injury i thought it was probably caused on his head no i thought it was caused by the inside of the neck because when we had him on the show there was a lot of things going down his neck i think at that point there was <laughs> he'd come straight from the logies i don't think he'd slept so it was more a throat injury <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Or a, maybe a liver injury yeah. to be completely yeah. honest but um so that's a shame that we haven't had we don't get to see him but yeah. um, well, the kid who's understudying him is hilarious and amazing. So there's a there's a silver lining on the Andrew O'Keefe. Yeah, it would have been great if his understudy had been someone kind of similar to o- like if his understudy had been like Larry Emger. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. If they'd yeah, gotten yeah. like another game show host. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it should. A few that's steps down the ra- yeah. down the ladder of game show hosts. Yeah, well, who's your understudy? A uh, guy called Lucas. He's uh, he's a one of the English cast. Yep. He's, he's great. Yep. He's awesome. You'll see him on stage. He, he's not eyeing you off going, on. you're not having to watch your cup of drink around you're him. back. It's always, because I understudied Judas twice when I was in my early 20s in amateur shows in Perth, and I know exactly what it feels like to want to do this role and not get to. But I think Lucas is uh, both... Uh, quite like to have a crack and scared out of his brain because it's a pretty monstrous yeah. role and these are pretty monstrous rooms and it would be hard to just one day and not only that you got to hang yourself you got to climb up into the rig and come out of the sky and that's, hang on. That's, oh, spo- you've got to, spoilers you've got to hang yourself well, you <laughs> haven't read your bible have you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have a reading before right. the show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, spoiler alert, Judas dies, oh. uh, Jesus dies, and uh, mankind lives miserably ever after. Might uh, cross my name off that yeah, envelope yeah. now, <laughs> no, right. know all the good Seen bits. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's technically quite vocally very full on and technically quite difficult, so I think I think he'd almost prefer to not have to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird role, understudy, to do all that work and then hopefully, fingers crossed, you don't do it. Yeah. Well, it, uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, the, the other thing is, because in Australia... Uh, a certain percentage of the audience are driven to buy tickets because of my presence in the show, yep. and so the pressure on me to not to not go off is is enormous. So it would it would take a, as an injury as big as Andrew's for me to. For or, me, to or me and Carl both have typhoid at the moment. Yeah. So oh, great! Oh, yeah, and we're in an enclosed <laughs> room. Yeah. Awesome. It's, it's like you're not wearing your voice out in between yeah, shows by right. talking to two dickheads on a podcast. Yeah, so it's yeah, perfect for me to be talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should. I, I have this weird memory of going to see The Sound of Music when I was a kid, when uh, Lisa McCune huh. was in it, and 
it got announced at the start of the show that she wasn't going to be doing it and understudying for her will be whoever the person was. Yeah. And people booed. That's yeah. a lot. That's wow. a tough. That's a tough cookie. Yeah, before the show. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a tough really act to follow. I don't know if they're even announcing because it's a an arena. It's not so easy to go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tonight, Andrew O'Keefe. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's sort of it's it's not so easy to do announcements. So I think, look, I I don't know what you do about that. But the thing is, when you buy a ticket to a a show, it it is people forget it's not. Um, they're not robots. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, um, you know, setting your, your digital box to record a show. Lots of things can happen. Mm. Uh, whole tours get cancelled. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to, when I got cast in Californication, I had to pull out of a couple of small gigs and people were sometimes really uh, hateful and I sort of <laughs> thought, well, good. but it's, I've been wanting to be an actor for 20 years and I've got a role in LA and I, I just have to cancel this gig that's not really even on sale yet. Like, yeah. It's human. Um, there's, there's human factors going on here. Yeah, you know, you, you're not it gonna, must be very disappointing. You're not going to turn out hanging out with Duchovny. Yeah, that's exactly. what I wanted to ask you about because I'm a I'm a fan of that show. Oh, good. What's the Duchov like? He's good. Yeah. yeah, he's he's just you know like whenever you meet these people, you go, oh my god, you're the guy from X Files. Oh, you're totally normal. You know, yeah, right. It takes that long for you to get over it. it takes yeah. ten seconds. He's really sweet. He came to opening night of Matilda and. Brought his daughter, and he, he's been really good to me. We're not like mates. We went to the gym together a couple of times. Oh, that kind of sounds like your mates. Yeah, we, we get along pretty well. He's, he's really nice, and he's interested, and he's. Does he spot you? Was that? Does he spot you at the gym? Uh, no, we haven't. No, we both got our own personal training. Oh. It's LA. It's LA, mate. It's not a skanky gym. I thought you were under studies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So then you go to you go to the gym together as mates, but then you're just on separate wings of the gym yeah, with yeah. your yeah, personal trainers. What a great day we had together. Oh wow, man. that's amazing. It, I, it's, I feel like I'm slightly misrepresenting what it's like to work in LA <laughs> by saying David, we just happened to end up in the same gym. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and just sweated together and rubbed it. Man, rubbed own it. it. I would be owning it. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. I guess well, you're I on know, the same I'm show. I'm embarrassed enough that yeah. I go to the gym at all. But yeah. if anyone saw this season of Californication, they'll know that I was naked most of the time. So <laughs> I had a vested interest. In yeah. Doing Talk it up. I went to the gym with Gillian Anderson, and I talk oh, about right. that on this podcast all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I snuck Fair into enough. Fernwood with her when she was here one time. That that sounds like a good. Story on the radio, but uh, on the podcast. But from where I'm st- sitting, you did not go to the gym. That's clearly yeah, a made-up yeah. story. I it believe the, the Gillian Anderson bit more than I believe the gym bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I should have said I ate pasta with Gillian yes. Anderson. That would have been that would have been a bit more palatable. Um, we, now we just we, got, we, we would bring this up. We just did a podcast uh, this morning with Josh Earl, uh, oh, friend of this show and, and, and friend of you. Yeah. Now Josh tells a story about doing uh, one of uh, a, a very early gig with you uh-huh. uh, and. It was him and you and the bedroom philosopher, uh-huh. amongst others. Yeah. And the way Josh tells it is that you, after the gig, you were saying to him, "Oh, you, so you guys, are, you guys kind of really think about your appearance and like what you wear on stage and stuff like that." And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we do." And then he says, the way he tells it, the very next time <laughs> he saw you, you had the the hair strained and the whole <laughs> yeah. the whole look was starting yeah. to come together on the bicep curl machine with the decav, <laughs> like straight away. Just that little bit of advice. So what Josh is trying to claim is that he he created you. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and you said you liked Josh Earl at the start of this story, no, so no, has Josh that changed? Earl. I'm trying to remember my, my memory. <laughs> You're trying of to remember time Josh Earl, yeah, it's so very easy good, to forget. But I think I didn't meet Josh until. Oh, no, I might have, yeah. 
Yeah, it could be. I mean, it could have been an inspiration. Yeah. He's very good looking. He is a good looking man, <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt when I see good looking people, I get furious. Mm. And I guess that might have driven me to try and wear some makeup and do something about <laughs> That's the, the only reason I was going to the gym with Gillian is to try and get down to Josh Earl. Like, <laughs> yeah. Slim myself down a little Just bit. so you can, what, to get more like Josh Earl so you can inspire a, f- yeah. a future yeah. Tim Minchin. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to be mentioned in a biography or yeah. something. Yeah. I, get, I get people um, often saying, you know, I did back when things start going better for me, people saying, oh, you just stole Russell Brown's look. And I have a similar story that I tell that's probably uh, similarly apocryphal or not, I don't remember, but that um, I did a show in early 2006 in London wearing my full, you know, teased hair and makeup and stuff, and Russell Brand came to see it. And then I went back to Australia for six months, came back, and he was massively famous and looked like, oh. you know. So I, uh, I claim uh, Russell Brand's origins. Right. So I think I can give Josh mine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like a babushka doll of success. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then there's got to be no, – I, I, I like the idea that it starts – Pardon? It all goes back to Robert Smith or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or Keith Richards or something. Yeah, I want to know the person on the, on the, below Josh. That started Josh. Off. I want to know who's claiming credit for our looks because <laughs> uh, let's go and get him because they have really messed things Probably up. Probably Ronald McDonald. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what about this? Now, is this true? This is what you told me ages ago. You you both did the, a raw heat together, like back early days. It's embarrassing. It should be. <laughs> That's where I met Tommy. That's where we met. Yeah, Tommy was uh, fourteen. Uh, you've rounded the age up a little bit, yeah. I'm 16 now. It's a couple of years ago, yeah. yeah. No, you were 16? No, I would have been yeah, 16 or 17. Yeah. It was the first or second year that I did Raw. I yeah. thought it was very funny, but I was wrong. <laughs> uh, no, it was a weird, a weird thing. Sammy J was there and yep. uh, we all and you, got through. Because you, we? Were, you were on, but you were doing... I was doing a poem. You were doing a, a character. You were doing yeah. a character that was like a, a guy who had decided to do stand-up on the advice of his shrink yeah. and was, like, having a mental a breakdown yeah. on stage, yeah. My mother was a fucking bitch, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really great. And, and I, that was what I first did when I started doing comedy, I guess. And then, like, I saw Sammy was doing songs and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this song. I mean, my songs are that, you know, my songs are that part of my life and I was already writing, playing loads of gigs and stuff, but I saw comedy as a separate sort of thing which is sort of stupid now that I look back on it because w- I've always written s- silly songs I just didn't realise that that was you're allowed to put that in a club you know? yep. I didn't realise you're allowed to call that comedy I thought it was just sort of musical satire and I thought if I was going to exploit my joy of getting up on stage and making an idiot myself I should do something a bit more oblique like yeah. a poem and it went fine and I got through to the state final or something and then got, got uh, knocked out by by you'd remember who by, by Nelly? No, uh, that's terrible. Someone it's doing a sweet joke about the Harold Holt pool, maybe? Or <laughs> 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 who was it? I don't know. I don't no. know. Uh, oh, that's terrible. Female comic. I remember. It was great, but um, but it was weird because I that poem always got a good um good response, but I think. Uh, the reason I got knocked out, I got told by someone who was one of the judges, they said people thought, oh, well, he's, it's a character. We don't see whether how he would expand this to an hour. And I went, oh, well, I, 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 I do two-act show. Like, I never did five minutes. Yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah. been doing two acts. I've been doing hour and 40-minute shows since the very first time I ever did a gig. And yeah. So I kind of, I think 
What year was that? 2004? 2000... Four. Yeah, four. And four or that, three, yeah. that uh, October I did the Melbourne Fringe and did Naval Cerebral Melodies with Umbilical Chords at the Kitten Club, mm-hmm. which was a two-act cabaret show with that poem in it and stuff, and that was the beginning of the whole thing. Yeah. So, so in a way, those judges were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to say that... Um, that, that they were perfectly right to wonder, but as it turned out, I, I doing obscure poems wasn't the only trick up my sleeve. Because well, you've, you've now joined the, the very famous ranks of people who, when people now enter Raw, they get told, yeah. you know what, don't, it's, you know, Dave Hughes, Adam Hills, Roe McManus, Tim Minchin, all these guys never did, they never they, did well they in never Raw. never did the final. And it's no. like, it's meant... To make you feel better, but it, all it says to me is you guys should get better judges. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think the thing with those competitions is they're an interesting construct because they encourage people to give it a bash and go in, but there is absolutely no way to get it right. Yeah. Or, or nor is there a way to say it was wrong. I mean, even if ninety percent of people who lose go on to be successful, it doesn't mean the competition's wrong. It just means it's its own thing. It doesn't. It doesn't exist as a reflection of any. Oh, see, I disagree. I came runner up to Josh Thomas, and it. Oh, yeah, no, okay, then maybe there is. <laughs> yeah, I never made the final. No. Oh. So yeah. they've got a spot on there. They've, yeah, yeah, they've nailed it. They've mostly nailed it. Yeah. They really killed it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to the final. Now, yeah. one thing I was looking up about you today, you uh, you've been on uh, you've been on Conan over in LA a number of times, mm-hmm. and and growing up, Conan was like Conan was like my number one. Really? I used to. He was the. He was the first guy that I saw on TV that I was like, that's that's the guy. I was the that's first guy you saw on TV. This, no, I mean... As a the, child, you just switched uh, it on and... Yeah. yeah. Ta-da, magically, just Conan <laughs> was there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, just like that's a, a very far-fetched dream of mine is to be anywhere near Conan. Yeah. But I looked up the episodes that you were on and you've, you've been on an episode with Ice Cube. Oh. And you've yeah. also been on an episode with Flavor Flav. Yeah. I, I just love that those are the, the yeah, you're think, consistently on with the rappers. Perfect accompaniment to yeah. a hip hop artist. Is that on your rider? Yeah. Hip hop yeah, artist. I need to be on with yeah. someone who looks really different from me. Yeah, uh, yeah th- those shows. Oh man, they're, they're kind of weird, and and you don't. That what they want is for you to either go on and do your five minutes, and my stuff. And Conan's been very supportive of me, but my stuff is not great. It's not like I had twenty gags in in five. I don't do that sort of stuff and so my songs kind of work but they're kind of out of context and I don't get sure. to do my lead in and my drop out and I don't get to place them in the place I want them to be and in a two minute three minute spot it's very yeah, hard I to I have to cut my songs and all yeah. that, but it's also and then eventually he let me sit on the couch for a minute and they're like yes. have you got any anecdotes and I'm like nah <laughs> I don't do anecdotes I got this and one so about they, Josh Earl yeah <laughs> and so he just I just I just am used to Getting a chat on, and you know, usually something funny will come up, and but they, it's much more structured than that over there. They're like, yeah. no, what are your six stories, and we'll choose four, yeah, and we'll and kind of will ask the questions that will allow you to talk about that. I mean, all those chat shows, mm. they just go so. How's your day been? Um, have you seen any ice creams men? My, ice cream yeah. Men? Yeah, I had this funny experience with an ice cream man where I, fe- I fell over and got an ice cream up. I remember the, seeing an episode of Entourage where they do that. They call up yeah. Vinny Chase before he's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel and they're like, tell us some stories. I'm like, oh, that's how it works. I, I find it almost so noxious that I almost don't want to do the shows, but... That, that would be ridiculous. It just depends. The, the, the shows are not fun to go on. Mm. And I don't suppose they're always hilarious fun for Conan. He's an incredibly funny and hardworking man. But mm. they are—they all the joy 
of comedy is taken out uh, and replaced with um, structure, you know, because they want to get the best material. It's basically just a big setup for people to do a few minutes of shtick. Yeah. And uh, I just don't, don't do that very well. <laughs> yeah. It's not my thing. So, yeah. So you go, you know, obviously my agents and managers over there are working very hard to get me on these shows and then someone on the show rings up and goes, so anything funny happened? I'm like, no, see you there. <laughs> I'm such an arsehole. This phone call, can we talk about this phone yeah, call? Is right, there anything yeah. in this? Yeah, that's right, anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> I read a quote by you recently in a, in a, a newspaper article where you said uh, that you were in LA and people wanted you to write a sitcom and you said, uh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but you said I'm only interested in doing meetings with Broadway producers or with people who would want me to do the music for an animated musical. And yeah. now that's it's just been announced, I believe, like this week that that's that's what you're actually doing. Yeah, I so guess, a very specific yeah, well, request, but it's paid that, off. When I said that, I guess they were things that were already right, happening. Right. So I guess I was more reflecting what was going on. It's based on the Ice Cream Man story, though. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's an animated film of Conan uh, <laughs> where he gets seriously depressed and has no anecdotes. <laughs> and he has to find the anecdote fairy. It's awesome. Um, that's, that's, I can see Tommy lighting up. That would genuinely yeah. be up his alley. Yeah, yeah you I are do like, like, I like cartoons. Fairy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the anecdote fairy. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Really out of shape anecdote fairy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's so, but it's so bewitching for me to, to see you guys in my eye line here going, this, you guys did the same competition at some stage. and. Mm. One Direction, it's like sliding doors, you guys. Like Gwyneth, two versions of Gwyneth Paltrow right there. Mm. Yeah. Which... If I had more hair to straighten, then <laughs> yeah. we could be we could be neck be and neck. Yeah. We could be Jack Black and Philip Seymour Hoffman fighting yeah. for the same role. So many parallels. You've been on Conan. You like Conan. <laughs> you don't wear shoes on stage. Tommy can't afford shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in a production about Jesus Christ. I did religious education for yeah. a year at school. Uh, what else? <laughs> it's creepy. This is creepy. Yeah. Yeah, the similarities. Too similar. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. Um, it's Yeah, so we're actually underneath a tennis centre, underneath the Rod Laver Arena, which... I we we got we I'm not used to I didn't actually know the difference I didn't really know where this place was Rod Laver, Rod Laver Arena I actually went to the other one first which is what, a high soccer, sense the arena soccer one no high sense arena the oh, other the tennis, court. tennis court yeah, yeah the smaller tennis court so I was up there waiting out the <laughs> front and like there was just heaps of people in ice hockey uniforms and I'm oh, like yeah. this is a long bow like what. <laughs> I don't remember this coming up in the Bible. I'm not a massive fan. It's a reinterpretation. Yeah, to modern it up for the kids it's these Jesus days. On ice. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's Wayne Gretzky playing yeah. Mary Magdalene, maybe. Yeah. Well, or? God created ice hockey, so yeah. it's a sort of <laughs> in the same arena, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But because I was actually running a little bit late, I was like trying to believe it, going, "This it could be. This could be something. They could have like Jesus on the back of their jersey with a number." But I think the Bible on ice is an awesome <laughs> idea. Yeah. Mm. I think we should make it happen. Yeah, sure. Look, yeah. we're looking for anything. Yeah, yeah. if yeah. you need something to do, yeah, <laughs> you sort out the ice. Okay, right. I'll, uh, I'll write some bad you get, songs. You get the company on board. Yeah, and Josh Earl can play Mary. <laughs> Perfect. A lot of talk about Josh Earl in this, which I'm enjoying. Yeah, I'm enjoying people maybe tuning He's in. Not a good person. Pardon? He's, He's not, not a good a, person. Not a good person. No. no? no What's terrible. the worst thing you've seen or heard about Josh Earl doing? Um, What's the best thing you can make up? He made a jacket out of some children once. Oh, oh wow. Out of children. Out yeah. of adults would have been fine killing adults, but yeah. children. That was is... this back when he lived in Tasmania? Yeah, it was he, freezing. Yeah, he thought no one would ever find out he about it. He had more, too many children and not enough jackets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. There's a logic to it. <laughs> and now that he has a child, 
Would oh. you be worried that that that, he, that that's not the only reason he just is producing children to make oh, no, new jackets out of? No, he's very selfish. He'll keep his own child alive. <laughs> <laughs> what a deep irony. Oh, yeah. I, I read about um, you know you back in uh, what was it like a year ago now or something? You 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 wrote a specific song for Jonathan Ross called Woody Allen Jesus. Yeah, and you got in a lot of trouble for that. But now that you're in the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, that's fine. So obviously yeah. the controversial bit was Woody Allen. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how I does that work? So. I don't know. There's just something about Woody that the BBC hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, Religion's fine and you can poke yeah. fun of that, but not the, not the great... It was so weird, that thing. It was just a bad decision by an exec. You know, the top exec kind of got the heebie-jeebies because it was going to go out on Christmas Eve. And it was a really, from, compared to most of my stuff, incredibly gentle... Not particularly great, but quite fun song, like a sort yep. of hymn um, comparing Jesus to how you'd describe him in modern terms, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know. I do, part of me thinks, because Tom Cruise was on that episode, and I, I wonder if it was some weird Scientology thing where right. like, uh. you're, not, you're not allowed to mock religion when our grand poobah Tom is on or something. Should have right. done Woody Allen Zanu or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever. Zeno, Woody Allen yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, um, that's a weird thing with you because you're quite a strong atheist and for you to be in a musical Jesus Christ Superstar, I mean, you are the guy that's really stitching Jesus up, but still. Like, yeah, but it's an atheist musical. This is what people don't realise. There's no God in this. Right. The question of whether God exists never gets answered. In fact, the last lyric... Um, the first lyric is, um, you've started to believe the things they say of you, you really do believe this talk of God is true, out of Judas's mouth. Then you see this guy kind of going hysterical and getting very popular, becoming a superstar. It's really an examination of celebrity. And then uh, everyone dies, and Judas comes back from the dead, not Jesus, and sings, do you think you're what they say you are? And the last line is, are you what they say you are? And up he goes and gets crucified. There's no, there's no God. It's just people who believe in God. Right. And one dude who thinks it's all bullshit. We're going to have to pay a lot of money for the rights to those songs that you've sung the lyrics from on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've bankrupted <laughs> the little dum-dum club. Well done. It'll be worth it, man. <laughs> um, but I, I, would, I would happily do a, um, a good musical in which God is a character, of, of course. You know, it's like, um, I mean, I'd prefer to... No, in fact, I don't care. It's, it's different jobs. Like... Uh, there's storytelling. It's like, I don't believe in psychics, but Matilda Moo's stuff with her eyes. And yeah, you're people right. Are like, Why are you doing Jesus Christ Superstar? You're an atheist. I'm like, that's like asking, you know, Andy Serkis why he's doing, <laughs> why he's doing Lord of the Rings. If, does he really believe in yeah. <laughs> hobbits? Goblins, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, it's a, sto- it's a story, right? It's, it's you should just, not to, not to try and take your career down from the inside or anything, but yeah. maybe tonight, just for us, if you could do Judas, like if you could do reprise your Jonathan Ross thing and do... Woody, Woody Allen Jesus. doing Judas <laughs> just for tonight. There is a moment where I do a I, you you won't really see it, but where I um, do a little little nervous Woody Allen version of a song, but uh, that's just in my head. Oh, <laughs> I don't think it reads. Man. See if you can spot where it is. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, man, that would be awesome. I love. <laughs> it. It's hard to do Woody Allen when you're screaming high A's the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Woody Allen doesn't really rock. Do you do like? Can you do a Woody Allen? I am. Probably the worst person at accents and impersonations in, on the planet. Do you have to do an American accent for Californication? No, I'm me. I'm oh, a, right. I'm a sort of... They think I'm English because I can't tell the difference. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. but I sort of... He's just like a rock star and he talks like this, you know. Um, but I'm going to try and do some accent training just while I'm in Sydney doing this play. And just because I want to act more in America and scripts have started coming my way that's 
that are for American characters, and I'm just like, oh, so I'm going to try, but I just don't have an ear for that shit. It's a, it's a pretty rare thing to get to be able to, for Australian actors, to get to just do Australian. Like, Rebel Wilson's been very lucky that she's gotten to just be Australian mm. in a bunch of things I guess she's that thing, in, but... By the sound of it, it sounds like if you can't do it, you just go, uh... This is what you get, and they go, okay. It depends how badly they want you. Yeah, yeah. If you've I been mean, Rebel and, and me and Callie are both examples of they wanted the character. They they, they didn't, they, you know, they they didn't they didn't know they wanted that until they saw it, and then they went, "We want that," and that's right. fine, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd like to be able. To, I mean, I don't want to suddenly just be an actor, but I'd I'd love to be able to read a script and go, "Holy shit, what a great role!" and yeah. turn up and and nail the accent. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, like you you infamously on, uh, what was it? Sleuth? Sleuth, Sleuth, 101. Sleuth 101. Uh short-lived uh, murder mystery series on ABC, hosted uh, by Cal Wilson. Oh, yeah. Where they would, uh, there'd be a, a cast, a different cast for each episode that would act out a murder mystery and then Brilliant. there'd be a guest detective. It, you know, for, it, they, they got the concept good. It was, yeah. from what people said watching it, it was, you know, fun to play along with at home and try and guess who'd done it. But my character had a, uh, I had to do a Dutch accent. Which I thought oh, I'd better, I'd better kind Line of go on. out of my way and learn up. So anyway, the night before the first day of filming, I watched a bit of Gold Member on YouTube and kind of just got. <laughs> just, just you really just did the work. Going. You did the work, man. You deserve the reward. <laughs> and then it's just it was it was like I loved doing it, but it was also it was one of the most stressful experiences of my whole life because I was just it just on set going. I'm I'm doing the worst job this of this. This is ridiculous. Schmoke yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pancake. Like yeah. I should have just signed him as Woody Allen. Uh, yeah. I, I did it. I like the the, the idea of those LA casting <laughs> yeah. agents. They probably go through a million people, and with the ABC, it's like, can you do a Dutch accent? No. Okay, you're in. Yeah. yeah. No, but that was the difference. Was I got the email saying, can you do a Dutch accent? And you know, you're not in a position to say no to anything. It's no. like I can do whatever oh, yeah. you want me to yeah. do. Yeah, and then uh, they, they bi- I was so bad that they built this thing into the script where it was like, okay, when this gets brought up, because you did a bit of impro in studio, yeah. it was like, you're obviously, the producer said, look, when Claire Hooper, the guest, comes in, she's obviously going to call you on how shit your accent is. <laughs> so when that happens, when that ha- so 30 seconds into talking yeah. to her when this happens, yeah. just drop it and say you're from Broadmeadows and that you're pretending to be Dutch to just impress people. I'm like, uh, and then oh, that makes sense. Three minutes in when she attacks how bad your acting is, <laughs> this is what you say. So, I'm Tommy Daslow. I was out um, of uh, I'm just the guy that fills the vending machines here. I've snuck into the studio. Um, but what? then, yeah, everyone afterwards was like, Man, that was so great how you bought the curtain down and you, man, you did some great acting work there pretending to have a really shit accent. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to ride with this for a little bit. This is good. <laughs> this is all You'd be the guy in LA with a shit accent. Yeah, that's your niche. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't so, be the only one. You, yeah, all right. So what is, what is LA like coming from? Because, you know, the way that you talk, you sort of, you sound like you're not really into the bullshit side of it, but obviously LA is plenty of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I reckon it's as... All this stuff is as bullshit as you want it to be. I, I'm not in the scene. I, there's lots of people over there. Who are, I mean, I don't know Joel Edgerton, all that, but I know all his friends and stuff. And I guess you can get whipped up in that. But I was flying in and out most weeks doing gigs in the weekend in England, flying 13 hours and doing weekdays in LA. So I was just working, you know. And then I went out with um, the last couple of weeks of filming, I got the family and we all went and stayed in Venice and we just did family stuff unless I was on set and and that's it. And as I say, I, I tend to not take all the meetings. They love meetings and I 
my next two years is already full, so there's no point. And um, and so there, there's a way to do it. Um, that's not bullshit. But then it, I was in New York a few weeks ago, and I went to the Vogue uh, Met Ball, the ball at the Metropolitan Museum, and you know ended up out afterwards with Jake Gyllenhaal and Leo was sort of around. I didn't really meet him, and and you know Mumford and and his sons, um, yes, and his sons, <laughs> Kerry Mulligan, all these hot the Gatsby gang and Jake and um, and it's, I sort of got a glimpse of how you could just get in a loop you can just because you can just go out all night and these boys can have sex with anyone they want to and they sort of do these weird chases through the streets being followed by paps which they half don't want to happen and half do want to happen and they're, they're all seen they're just obviously it goes without saying normal chaps in their 30s you know they're mm. just absolutely normal people in a fairly extraordinary situation and that couple of weeks I was in New York, I was kind of out every night and getting home at four, and I just went, wow, you could slide down this hole so easily. You know? Yeah. Um, luckily, I've got a couple of kids, and I, I've got a return ticket home, and I kind of pulled myself out of there by the hair. But um, I can imagine it getting crazy. And I think, for me, the, having a relationship that I've been in since I was a child, basically, and kids and stuff is like... So, so important because it just keeps you focused on the work. You know? Yeah. Now, I, I've noticed this. I don't know whether you agree with this, but I think the fans of musical comedy are just one of the more obsessive type of people I've ever met. Is Would that, you agree with that? Well, I feel like mine are pretty weird, but I don't have an experience of anyone else's. Of anyone, you know? yeah, Do right. You, have you noticed that? It, like, I, I genuinely like have. Tripod fans used to. Yeah. The, and and um, yeah. Paul McDermott's fans used to be full on. Even Sammy J? Maybe it's... Not quite Josh Earl, but yes. <laughs> There's something about um, probably being able to be funny, uh, which I don't claim, but, you know, like that, that if you can then go and be sweet as well. I mean, in, in all comedy, there's something amazing about being able to turn it. But as a stand-up, it's much, much, much harder. That's what's amazing about Edinburgh and Melbourne is everyone are, is obliged to do hour-long shows mm. and that sort of potential for a narrative arc where someone like Hamster, he'll always have a switch. Justin Hamilton? Yeah, where it, yeah. Gets, where it gets quite soft and, and often quite um, passionate and uh, almost romantic. Yeah. You know, and, and there's something beautiful about that construct. Fleety could do it too and I don't know, I'm sure you guys can as well. But in music, it's kind of easier to manipulate people in that way. So you can be really dark, really dark, funny. So you're making them laugh, and making people laugh is a very makes them very vulnerable to manipulation. And then if you can do what Paul McDermott used to do and play "Throw Your Arms Around Me" at the end of the show, everyone just goes, "Oh, look, <laughs> he's got a soul as well." You know, I don't have a soul. I'm just trying to make you pay more money for my merchandise. <laughs> but yeah, I think is, is it that. Is it that you're you're uh, sardonic and satirical and then vulnerable? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's. it's, it's I mean, the examples I'm, I constantly think of is your understudies just keep walking into this. <laughs> room, it's a, it's yeah. a popular room that we're we in. Need a sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't this a, the official Rod Laver podcast room? Yeah, oh, yeah. This that. is a media room that should be soundproof with um, big red lights outside. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like there's construction going on <laughs> yeah. next to us. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Tim, uh, thank you so much for giving up uh, your time to us this afternoon. We really, really appreciate it. I told you it. I wasn't a funny interview. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't do funny. No, this was great. It's, this great. Was a, it's, it's always lovely to see you and uh, looking forward to the show tonight. And thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Well, I won't have a voice because you just... Oh. Uh, hey, we know some songs. Not the songs from the musical, but we can do we something. Sing, yeah. yeah. It's not silence. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I know a couple of numbers. I know, that, that I know all of Jamiroquai's back catalogue. <laughs> I can get up and sing Cosmic Girl if you need it. Guys, thanks heaps for listening and we'll see you next time. See See you, mates. mates.